Hello, my name is Ollie Henderson and welcome to Take My Advice, I'm Not Using It. So it's the 1st of January 2021 and we've left that very strange year of 2020 behind us and I made the rash decision this morning to launch series two of this podcast a little earlier than planned. Inspired by Christopher Lockhead, who was my very first guest on Take My Advice, I've decided to record the world's first work-life podstorm. What's a podstorm, you ask? Well, you might be familiar with Tweetstorm, a series of tweets in rapid succession. And Christopher brought the idea of a podstorm to my attention early in lockdown last year when he broadcast a month worth of marketing tips. I'm going to share with you this month my thoughts on the changing relationship between our work and personal lives. I'm going to do this by recording some of my newsletters from 2020 and also share my thinking as we go into this new year. There'll be an episode in your inboxes every morning in January. If you enjoy it, please sign up to the newsletter Future Work Life on Substack. You can find a link in the show notes. And of course, please subscribe to Take My Advice, I'm Not Using It. When Series 3 now will be coming back in February and I've already got some amazing guests lined up. Happy New Year and I hope you enjoy. Introducing Future Work Life, written on Thursday the 7th of May 2020. My brain works in peculiar ways. Whenever I need to remember a pin code or a number combination of any type, I segment it into pairs and relate it, if I can, to either significant events in German history, football or preferably both. For a while... The pin for my debit card was 9071, which in my mind obviously meant Italian 90 World Cup plus German unification. The Bismarck one, not reunification. My Germanophile tendencies manifest in obscure cultural references, hence why I'm starting the first of my future work-life newsletters with one. Hopefully this isn't enough to lose you after only three paragraphs. There's a behavioural bias called the frequency illusion, colloquially known as the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, after the paramilitary group that arose in Germany in the 1970s. The short explanation is that it means something that you've either just learned or becoming more interested in suddenly seems to appear everywhere. It's useful to think of this as a combination of two better known biases. Selective attention, our brains are very good at ignoring irrelevant information and noticing things in which we're interested. And confirmation bias, we prioritise information and data to back up our own beliefs and opinions. So I've spent the last few months analysing the future relationship between our work and personal lives which is perhaps why this cognitive bias resonates with me right now. World events have accelerated discussions about changes to people's work lives, with innumerable articles about how to approach working from home, the challenges and benefits of video conferencing, and how to manage a team remotely. There's some useful stuff in amongst all of that, but it frequently brings to mind a quote from composer and occasional philosopher John Cage, who said, I can't understand why people are frightened of new ideas, I'm frightened of the old ones. In other words, humans have an unfortunate habit of designing solutions for the future that mimic those of the past. It's through this lens that many are pontificating about how lockdown and the gradual emergence out of it will impact the way we work. How can we ensure our face-to-face meetings continue online? How do we monitor how much work people are doing? Are our employees working a full day? Even those more enlightened among us seem to be positioning the current crisis as a testing ground for occasional working from home, flexible working as they mistakenly term it. We never know, of course, what the future will bring. Shit, I'd like to know when I'm going to be able to leave my house for anything other than to walk around the same park. Future work life is, though, my attempt to draw attention to some of the less commonly discussed themes related to the future of work and critically how that intersects with our personal lives. Guy Kawasaki's Remarkable People podcast series offers a fascinating glimpse into the lives of individuals from all sorts of backgrounds. 
the common theme in their stories is the optimistic view that we can work collectively to create a better future. Take Sean Thompson, for example, a champion surfer in his younger years, having experienced great success, but also tragedy in his life. He advocates we live by a set of principles that he calls his code, derived and defined by a life surfing. Three points stand out from this for me as we look at the present and future of both our work and personal lives. Number one, I will never fight a riptide. There are some forces against which we cannot fight. Exceptional circumstances mean it's okay to focus on just being and to put our ambitions and goals temporarily on hold. Number two, I'll watch out for surfers after a big set. At times like this, we must take responsibility to look after ourselves and those around us, our friends, family and community. And number three, I know that there will always be another wave. New opportunities arise from periods of great adversity. Critically, we all have a chance to redefine what's important in our lives and to make choices that can lead to greater happiness for ourselves and others. This is an idealistic view, I know, but if ever there's a time to indulge in some soul-searching and reflection, it's now. I recently wrote an article on how I use the Japanese concept of ikigai to define my purpose, and it's helped me to establish systems to keep my mind and body healthy while maintaining some much-needed perspective. Attempting to attain clarity on what's important can help us better understand what we expect and demand from our relationship with work. We've moved beyond discussions of work-life balance. Stu Friedman suggests this phrase posits work and life in opposition to each other, necessitating one taking time from the other. Should we instead align our work lives, recognising the importance of shared purpose? Is integration a more realistic representation of our relationship with work? It certainly feels like that at the time of writing. Can we aim to synchronise work with our lives, acknowledging the true order of things by putting personal priorities first? Or is it all just semantics, a reflection that we've had enough of the historical norms of work and that now is the time for change? In the coming weeks and months, I'll discuss various themes that can positively affect the interrelationship between work and life. These will include chronobiology, job crafting, the importance of outcome-oriented job design and how to synchronise family and work time. I'll analyse how taking a structured approach can help achieve flexible working that benefits both organisations and their employees. I will also inevitably share my experiences as a working dad of three young kids. Along the way, if there's anything else I think you might find interesting, I'll chuck that in there too, whether it be the increasing influence of AI, artificial intelligence, or indeed the role of HI, human intelligence. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you back here soon.